Welcome to today's podcast. Today it's a great pleasure to be joined by Louise Lang of Fidgetal Twin. Hello and welcome. Hi, hi Debbie. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much. Thank, thanks so much for joining us. Can't wait to get going. We've, you're working in such an incredibly exciting space of commerce right now. Louise, can you share a summary of your career path and your journey to Fidgetal Twin? So I spent 14 years working in corporates uh for Reese, Burberry, Kilgore. And my role was basically managing the design, production, merchandising uh, departments. And then I was 14 years, I left to set up my own consultancy where we gave advice to brands that wanted to restructure their supply chain, uh, new brands that wanted to have like new collections, um, brands that just wanted support. So we've kind of covered so many different bases. Um, and we do everything from product to merchandising to e-commerce setups, everything to do with the product, basically. And during that time, um, I became the CEO of a brand called Shrimps, which is a luxury faux fur brand um, in London. Mm-hmm. And they started out just doing faux fur coats. And then we ended up doing uh, every single product category possible, growing the business, you know, quadrupling the business, uh, improving the, the EBITDA to positive. So lots of lots of exciting things and launched several startups. And one of the main sort of stumbling blocks that I came across with the startups was the amount of stock that we had to buy in order to get them started and they didn't know what their sales were going to be like no one does mm-hmm. so some of them failed really because of this um 100 units minimum per style uh not knowing what you're going to sell and uh and then covid happened and it became even worse the whole stock situation some of the companies i was working for really uh ended up in in a pickle with their stock they um, they were really struggling with cash flow. It was all tied up. And I just wanted to change this. I felt that it wasn't a viable business model anymore. And um, I started researching into on-demand production. And at the same time, the onset of digital fashioning, fashion was happening. And I thought, how can, you know, the digital fashion be the industry's sort of eco-saviour as such? So I really started Fidgetal Trend to try and change the industry, you know, and I care about waste in the fashion industry and how creatives struggle to launch their own fashion collections. So I wanted to use my 25 years of experience in a, in a positive manner. That's, that's interesting, isn't it? So, so much has changed just in the last few years since lockdown. So much, so much. Um, Accelerated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, and I think now what we really want to do is to offer just a different way of doing things, you know. So if you design, first of all, in 3D uh, using our existing pattern blocks, then that reduce having to create your own patterns. Um, 
the admin costs and the and the sort of the 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 startup costs are, are massively reduced. So what Digital Twin essentially is 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 about enabling creators, in, you know, innovators, gaming companies, businesses to be able to have their own fashion collections uh, digitally first, and then physically after on demand. So creating no waste. You're rewiring the fashion industry. We're trying. We're trying our best. <laughs> we were talking about that off-air slightly before, weren't we? How do you piece all of those bits together? But um, let's start at the beginning. Can we deep dive into 3D product simulation? And for our listeners, what the tech is now capable of? I mean, this space particularly is moving so fast. How are you utilising it? So, well, 3D design simulation is, I guess, when you upload when you, we upload a pattern, so we start with uploading a pattern, but there's pattern blocks that exist in 3D simulation. Two main providers are 3D Clow and Style 3D. We use both of them. Mm-hmm. And then visualizing your design in 3D Clow, adding your prints, being able to see how the garment fits, um, seeing collections together in 3D. Uh, is so useful to us and style 3d has 300 different fabrics that you can use to simulate how the how the how the garment looks in silk or versus like Uh a a canvas so that's so useful for us as well um we don't actually use that many fabrics we only have 15 to 20 in our library because we print on demand so it's not cost effective for us to have 300 but from a band perspective, super useful. Um, you can also put in your body measurements and be able to see how the avatar um, looks in with your particular bespoke body measurements. Um, I think the tech now is really, really, it's really amazing to see things in 3D. It's it helps the process so much, cuts down so much time, like for sampling, um, you wouldn't even need to sample necessarily. You know, you can, you can, you can see things in 3D without having to test if what, what it looks like. It's just breaking that habit, isn't it, of having the physical samples and shipping them all over the world. Yeah, we, we, we feel like we don't need to do that now. So we've That's actually funny. cut out sampling. So, you know, we'll go will create collections for designers and um, if it's sports we have to sample because sports is sports and obviously it, it, it behaves very differently with different types of fabrics but in other areas no we don't need to we can see how it fits and we can add shrinkage to that before we even go to sampling that's great so would those same avatars that you're creating then be used for retail um Essentially, they could be. Yep. We use them for retail. So we'll yep. use the 3D Clow model. We'll, we'll, we show it on the e-commerce, walking up and down. It can You can see exactly how the garment hangs. Uh, the, the avatar can turn around and you can see it in 360. We do lots of 3D GIFs where you have the avatar standing just on a platform uh, and turning around in, in a 3D way. Mm-hmm. You can change the avatar so that it can be, you know, male or female and different hair colours, different skin tones, uh, different shoes, you know, you can really kind of style it to the look that you want to create. Um, Amazing. But there's more. 
was going to say there's modeling agencies as well that are using avatars, uh, yeah. creating the, the avatar, creating, turning the model into an avatar for e-commerce. Yeah, there's so much going on. So if, if I wanted an avatar of myself, how how do you, which system do you use to make your sizing everything accurate? We use standard sizing. Okay. We've developed um, and that's just generic. So like a, a bust would be, I don't know, 84 and a hip would be, whatever it is but we we have our standard size measurements so we don't necessarily use flow 3d for that because we know what our standard blocks are okay so okay yeah i mean it it, i think i think it might be interesting we're looking at it so if we were to have a japanese customer or an american customer who wanted to have a different sizing you know we could input their sizing into clow and they could see the garment in that but the patterns would still be done offline due to yeah. uh, according to their size rules yeah so would it be it would be there it would be their body but with the standard size product on top of it at the moment yes is yeah. there well it's their body shape so you can change the body shape so say for example a japanese wanted a smaller model you can change the avatar to be smaller and you could visualize the clothing on a smaller model. Uh-huh. But the pattern would still have to be done manually per the smaller sizing. Yeah. But all of those little tweaks, all of those incremental improvements help reduce waste, don't they? Which is your objective too. Exactly. They help streamline the process. It helps you just to visualise what that looks like, like in different shapes and how you then, what you need to do to the pattern. So you could say, okay, like here's our standard size small T-shirt and this is what it looks like on all these different avatar shapes and you can see the adjustments that need to be made to the pattern through using 3D Clow becomes much more obvious. It's, it's so interesting, isn't it? Because I guess you're using your, your well, your whole business model is also to to work within the NFT kind of community too, to bring those products in, to bring those fabrics in, to make them open source so people can use your patterns and add print to them. Um, and then within your facility, you can then outsource and produce that physical pattern against the avatar. Yeah? Yeah. So... Do you think that the technology is strong enough yet to actually create an avatar that meets all retail expectations? Or what would you like to see in it? I think it's, for us, it's more about the production patterns being ready than the avatar. Because the avatar is just a 3D visualisation. You just can see the patterns you can see the patterns and how they look on different sizes, but uh-huh. the patterns are, you know, the hurdle for us because we do production is, and we and we like to use digital first and then do production after, is if we're not using our own patterns and somebody's created digital designs in 3D Clow or um, Style 3D and we get the patterns as a DXF format, they're not production ready we still have to recreate that pattern 
doesn't have notches on. We don't trust that the fit is right. Mm-hmm. Um, we we use it just for shape. You can you can look at the garment in a mesh format, so it's very transparent, and you can see how it's supposed to look. So it's great for a designer who wants it to look a certain way on an avatar. They can design it in the way that they want it to fit. But it, even though you can put in your measurements, and even though there's it, it looks visually, it's not actually production ready. Yeah, you can't confidently send it to a print machine. One hundred percent, no. <laughs> um, so it just helps speed up the process, so that the pattern cutters know how that designer wants it to look, and that's it, really. It's just more information than you'd get from a two D sketch. So would you say that at the moment you're currently using the technology as a creative tool and it's not quite production ready? Exactly. So what 3D's um, design tools do is to enable you to see the fit on the avatar so that when we get the designs from a digital designer or from somebody that's used it, we know how they want it to fit. But we still don't have to look at our blocks and adapt it according to what fits correctly. Um, often you'll get lots of bagging and lots of lines and creases. And it's 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 kind of ugly if you dig down into the bits and pieces, you know, under the seams. So we have to strip it all back and just generally say, what block have we got that's similar to that? And we use that because we know that that fits. Um, and that's how we can save time is by looking at our blocks and looking at 3D clothes and marrying them together. But we can't export something from clothes and just go into production with it. It's still yeah, fine tuning that garment. Yeah, it just saves that whole process of having to sample to even see if something fits. Yeah, we know how it should fit. So it's just speeds it up. Yeah, yeah. And how then, so what's the process if you're going to create a print file for people that are listening? Because you're printing um, the patterns with the printed pattern. It gets a bit confusing. There's too many patterns going on. Um, you're printing the garment pattern with a printed pattern inside the space, which is great because you're, you're nesting it basically and you're not printing where you don't need print. Is that correct? Yes, that's it. So from the from the 3D file, um, so once the pattern's uploaded to 3D and we've played around with the print, then we have to lay lay, lay plan the patterns in 3D Clo, Star 3D, and then uh-huh. we export the digital patterns from Clo 3D to Adobe PDF. Then we edit the patterns in Illustrator to create print templates that work with our own way of corny printing. Uh-huh. And then we have to do the print placements based on the digital garment designs um, and the 2D panels in, in Clove 3D and Style 3D are a helpful guide, um, but they're just a guide. So the process from export to production is still very manual and time-consuming. Mm. So it could take the design team you know, a day if it's a really complicated garment with 200 pattern pieces, yeah. or if it's a simple hoodie, it could take half an hour. But it takes time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we just need that little missing link, don't we, between the two? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> software developers if you're listening please <laughs> yeah yeah that's great tell me just something we, we didn't touch on earlier but color then would you have to sample for color or are you quite confident to embed 
a colour profile with your various printers on different fabrics. How's that working for you? Have you got that nailed? Not quite. So no. generally, <laughs> we've we've printed things at different uh, manufacturers in the past. So it's exactly the same file as yeah. gone to different uh, printers. And it's all come out differently. Um, so in order, because we do want to do automatic global fulfillment, everything is going to have to be pre-tested uh, to make yeah. sure that there's consistency uh, before you go into like global fulfillment production as such. Generally, just as a, as a one-off, we're always happy with the colour. It always comes out really, 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 you know, yeah. exact. But it's just if you send it to another printer, there's variances and you can allow that in production. It's, it's interesting, isn't it, that that collaboration that you now have to have with your print supplier has over the years got closer and closer because of digital, the trust between the two yeah. to to re-replicate your files perfectly to a standard yeah. that you've set between both of you is so important. And I think it's about sharing the exact uh, way they, they printed that meter yeah. or, or, or garment. It, you know, that print file, the, the print setup has to be shared exactly. The fabric has to be the exact same. Um, no, it's incredible. I mean, we had one experience where it was so vibrant in one factory and printer, it's exactly the same printer. It looked like it had been out in the sun for 100 years. It was so really? faint. So oh, the industry is working on trying trying to standardise colour throughout the textile process, but yeah, it's 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 so so difficult because you've got you know a huge variance in inks, a huge variance in machines, a huge variance in software versions of software, and batching of the actual textiles themselves. So we were talking about that, that off air, weren't we? Recent just before, um, yeah, yeah, it kind of looks easy, but it's really not. <laughs> no, it's really quite complex. Yeah. There's a lot of, yeah, but collaboration with your print supplier and working really closely with them is so, so, so important, which kind of leads us nicely on to our next collection, our next um, question of um, how would you describe this, the term co-creation and how does digital collaboration rewire fashion's footprint? Kind of from a design question. Yeah, so I see this as a sort of, I take this from a design standpoint. Yeah. And I just want to take a designer, a digital designer that we're collaborating with. We've been working with her for uh, three months or so. And she is from Ukraine. She's brilliantly talented. She's called Julia Blanc, Blanc de Blanc, mm -hmm. creates these incredible designs in, in, in Star 3D or 3D Clue. But she's she's a digital designer. She's not come from a fashion background. She doesn't necessarily understand production, which is why we're here to yeah. service, you know, the, the, these amazing creators. And when we say co-creation, she's got her own vision. She's, it's her designs, but will support with, um, you know, creating uh, creating a, th a really well balanced collection. Yeah. So we'll give advice as to, okay, we need this many, you need more dresses, we need more skirts, or the colours need to change slightly, or we need to have whatever it may be, we'll we'll just work with them to develop. I think that's that's what our skill set is really, a, a, an enhanced 
version of what it would be without the partnership um, but never taking away their integrity or their vision we're not designers we're just here to to try and commercialize their products so that yeah. everybody makes more money so if it's yeah. balanced we think about where it might sell um, and who it might sell to we think about the marketing we think about um the price points you know we'll source the fabrics we'll source all the trims we'll buy all those we'll set everything up for hopefully to create a real commercial collection where everybody can make money and that's essentially how I see co-creation with digital twin is we're taking people's ideas and we're taking their (coughs) their creativity and turning it into um something that will make money yeah guide them through production i mean the, the analog alternative that of course is rack after rack of samples and a huge cost for the independent designer and i think from my side i see i think that's one of the wonderful things that it's also democratizing fashion in that it allows so many creatives to enter the business that could never have got there before that's it exactly i think the costs are so prohibitive and there's so Absolutely. many like as i the saying, you know, it costs ultimately £50,000 sometimes to have your own fashion collection. If you have to set up your own e-commerce store, if you have to get your collection, you have to buy sampling. Often sampling, I mean, you know this, you don't just go and buy like five metres. If you want it in a pastel green or if you want it in a an orange, you have to then get that dyed. You have to buy a minimum of three, 30 metres, 50 metres, sometimes yeah. have your own bespoke colours. It takes three months. You might buy the fabric and actually make it up and not like it. Um, so that's why what we do is we buy, um, we use these 15 fabrics, as much 20, and they're cream and natural colours. So I could buy 50 metres or 100 metres. I can use that over three different collections. Mm-hmm. And the beauty of it is they're all totally different because they're totally different styles. But because they're being printed, you know, we can keep that fabric, there's no risk. So if that particular style doesn't sell, we've still got the fabric, we'll use it all day long. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's why for traditional sampling collections, it really can be expensive and time-consuming. And you still don't know if you're going to sell here. <laughs> that's it. There's no guarantees. There, there, there's no guarantee at the end of the day, is there? And you've, you know, for young, young creatives, well, huge super brands, we come back to that whole stock conundrum again, don't we? And it's, that is just a matter of scale stock. So we either end up with a, a small independent designer that goes out of business because they've got stock that doesn't sell or a huge super brand having too much stock and just charging be. actually charging every single customer who bought it for that returned for that pile of stock at the end. So they don't get the true value within the product anymore. Yeah. Because 40% is there ready for it not to sell. I know, exactly. It's just what, what's overbought in the first place, plus the extra that you yeah. buy from markdowns. And... So I think that's so, what's really exciting about this new way of working is that literally we can have these fabrics in stock, um, make them look totally different by the way they're constructed and printed, but without reducing, you know, without creating waste um, and, and reducing cost. That's and then great. there's our e-commerce platform, which is like a multi, uh, multi-created platform where if people don't have their own e-commerce, they can sell through ours. 
That's great. Louise, you're not, you know, we've spoken about working with independent designers. You also work with brands as well. You'll work direct with retailers and help them work you as an external source. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we we will definitely work with brands. We work with gaming companies. Yeah. Um, How do you work with gaming companies? So with gaming companies, they want to like visualize they they, they they're creating skins for their games. Right. Um, so one partner, for example, they 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 creating they create they make games. Right actually are the builders for these games so they'll make games for say the likes of benfica they're building benfica a game uh-huh. they're not product design so they'll come to us and they'll say look we've got these avatars can you dress them and design some skins for us and also we want to have a sports collection that we can sell for like the benfica community that is an nft game and when they become a member of the and they buy the NFT and they become a member and they can enter the game. We want them to have a merch section where they can buy the skins and make and buy the product and make it on demand. As another company that are also producing like 2D, 3D visuals, they're creating like uh, their own designs for their game. Um, yeah. And they want to be able to sell digital. So as soon as the you know every single product they'll do that through their own platform but where we'll do the whole um take it from 2d to 3d um give them the assets for the skins and then they'll turn we can turn that same asset into production for them great so you're you're the fulfillment your production fulfillment fulfillment. yeah yeah all of that from start to finish so many, so many areas within the cloud and the metaverse, aren't there, for for merchandise and for different pl- different business models for for sale onward sale, really. Yeah, it's a really yeah. interesting space. Yeah. Really interesting, and, um, Louise. Come, I was just going to say also like people that we're doing quite a lot of sports as well. So people, you know, there's a couple of brands we're working for that that have other product categories, but they don't know sports, and we do so. Right. They'll be like, can you do us a sports collection? So we can also do that because we've sourced all the fabrics. We can print it. It's great. And you do the R&D, as you say, because in that space as well, it's, it's the perfect space, isn't it? So you're working within a game and there's merch behind it and the merch is created on demand. Yeah, exactly. It's the perf- perfect scenario, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely perfect scenario. So those are kind of the creative benefits. What particularly do you think, if we had to drill down, are the environmental benefits of, of rewiring the fashion system and using digital technologies? I think we've covered a few of them. Is there anything we've missed? I think the global fulfillment with local print yeah. on design, on demand factories, you know, eliminates yeah. supply chain risks, um, reduces time to market, increases margins. Obviously, on demand is is no waste. And because we're using pigment printing onto a natural base, we're not creating lots of toxins with dyeing, um, chemicals with dyeing, and the pigment printing is 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 natural, uses no water, especially with the cornet machines. Excellent, really is. It's, it's so 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 many massive moves being made controlling just all of those top potential toxins going into the environment now lots lots going on what is what's what does the future look for for hybrid fashion 
So I think digital fashion opens up lots of possibilities with AR filters, XR, you know, NFTs. Um, uh-huh. And the digital part of it is is likely to become a big part of the fashion industry because it offers new ways of integrating yeah. the physical to the digital experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's a must, you know, when it comes to mass adoption. So digital won't just exist on its own uh, in in a mass market. It needs to be attached to a physical product to be mass adopted because people still want to see that garment in real life we still have to wear clothes and so it's still for me it's about marrying the two worlds together um and I think there's a there's a really amazing quote that I've got about generation alpha because they're not just happy with the pure physical um they like to express themselves digitally you know my children 11 30 talk about how they They've grown out of Roblox now, but they love seeing their seeing their avatar wearing these new clothes, and it's the first touch point often for seeing certain brands and becoming affiliated with that product. So, think about this generation growing up and wearing things digitally first, and then buying the physical after. And I see this world of three D immersiveness as the new changing room. Instead of going to a store and trying something on, you try it on in a 3D immersive environment, be that game, something interactive. And it's amazing, isn't it, to think that these 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 kids will have those mirrors in their bedroom and they just literally touch the screen, hop onto Zara or wherever it is that they shop and they're wearing those clothes. They can take a quick screen snap and they're on Instagram. I've seen my daughter do it and she'll say, oh, what do you think, friends? Should I buy this? Yes or no? Um, yeah that kind of collaborative purchasing is uh, definitely going to happen in the future. And we're getting quite a lot of requests for AR filters as well, you know, where brands okay. are seeing, you know, what work we've done and they they see the benefits of how AR filters can help increase conversion and reduce returns. And it's so, I mean, it's such a fun way of engaging with product. How would you develop an AR filter? What would you, what would you do? <laughs> well, it's complicated because the way that you develop it with tiktok is different to instagram which is also difficult to snap different to snap so actually still quite quite time consuming um again it's something like gaming that isn't interoperable there's not a one it's not just not a streamlined way and it's still very expensive which is why mass adoption hasn't happened i think the tech would improve i think it's just a so many different layers for each tribe, aren't there? In if that makes sense, wherever yes. wherever you reside, different functionality developing to yeah. to yeah, it's incredible. Louise, thank you so much. We're, we're nearly over time. What what's your vision for digital twin? Where do you want to be in the future? How how would you like to expand, or you might not want to expand? <laughs> you know, I think that we want to address and fix some of the challenges that we're facing in the fashion industry with developing this new concept from digital to physical. Um, So we just discussed earlier that the gap is really on the production side. So we can design and develop anything we like, but making that into production is the missing part at the moment. And because of our kind of background and expertise, we want to fix that part to make the whole process seamless from design to global fulfillment 
and that's what we're that's what we're really working on um trying to raise and trying to fix this problem so that we can scale quickly and and open up doors to um lots more designers and i think also trying to fix ai because ai is now come a massive player with the way that people can also so it's not just 3d design and um there's you can de- design and develop in ai now yeah so it's the same thing yeah. it's like ai as a design tool um 3d design as a design as a design tool taking these two funnels of creativity and making it seamless into production so that's yeah. how within within the limits of production as well within isn't the it, limits really? of production yeah. with printing yeah. demand um but the more we can do that, the more we can scale and the more we can oh. open up doors. Well, congrats, Louise. I think you're doing a brilliant job. Really interesting. Yeah, keep in touch. I think you, you have your, your vision of connecting the dots so we have seamless design to production is absolutely everything that I dream of. Um, thank you so much for your time today. I'll make sure that all your details are in the show notes and look forward to connecting again soon and seeing how everything's going over at Digital Twin. Thank you so much for having me. You're most welcome. Thank you. Bye.